Curtis was fixing the uh, baptistry back there. Brother uh, Martin was saved this morning and wants to get baptized immediately. He, he had his mind on 2 o'clock, so uh, we talked and decided we'd, we'd do it at 5, and we didn't have any water in the baptistry. So uh, we're going to come at 5 if you want to come in time to see him uh, baptized, and you can come and fellowship for a little while after that's over, and uh, then it'll be 6 o'clock before you know it, and uh, time for church, and so we invite you to that service if you'd like to come. If you stand with us, please, we're going to read out of John chapter 5, verse 39, just one verse this morning. The Bible says, search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, once again, Lord, for the privilege of being able to gather together with your people, Lord, and just to fellowship for a little while, Lord, and to worship you together. And God, I pray this morning you'll be in our midst in a real way, God, and that your blessed Holy Spirit will move up and down these aisles, God, and and that he'll uh, touch our hearts, Lord, and and uh, have us more dedicated and more committed than we have been. And then, Father, if that be one here without your son, I pray this morning it'd be the time you'd be able to touch that heart. We ask in Christ's name, amen. Now, I was thinking this week, I've been in the work of the Lord for a long time and uh, been in the uh, pastoring business for tw- better than 20 years and it's always a blessing when you can look back or fellowship with somebody and see that you've touched their lives a little bit and uh, made them better. If not so good, if you look back and find out you touched them and it, it didn't help any, but uh, it's, uh, it's always good. And, and so I trust this morning that we'll be able to leave something with you that will help you. I know there's a lot of things in the Word of God that we need to be uh have a conviction on, and there's a lot of things about the work of the Lord we need to understand, but I believe the subject that we're going to speak on this morning is one of the most vital of all the things. If, if, I, if I could make a choice of one thing that I could leave with you, uh, it would be the lesson this morning, and uh, the, we titled the lesson, Search the Scripture and See. Now, the primary message that you find in the scripture that we read is that search the scripture about eternal life. And he said, for in the scripture you think you have eternal life. But eternal life is not in the scripture, not in obeying the scripture, not in living good, not in being right. But the Bible says that salvation is in the one the scripture talks about. And uh, that, uh, of course, this is, uh, if you've got one of those le- red-lettered Bibles, you can see this is uh, the words of Christ. And so it said that, uh, and they are they which testify of me. And search the scripture that we might be able to know for sure what God would have us to do. Now, uh, somebody says, well, uh, this is not what I always heard. I hope this morning that we can set aside what our parents have told us. Now, what our parents have told us might be right, 
and might be good. But we need to understand that we don't believe it just because just because mom and daddy said it. And uh, then it might be that uh, you would say, well, uh, this is what I've always been told, and this is what I've always heard my preacher say. Now, you better not accept what man tells you. Men can fail you. Uh, even as I stand here this morning, and I do the best that I can to read this word, and, and uh, pray over it, and make sure I've got the right subject, and make sure that I've got the right message. But you better not trust me. You say, you mean you're telling me not to trust you? Exactly right. Because anything that I tell you that I can't back up by the word of God is as vain and useless as it can be. So we need to search the scriptures about the things that God has for us. And we'll be judged according to the scriptures. You know, we, we ought to take that seriously. We're going to be judged according to Scripture. And we're not going to be judged according to some of these books that has Bible on the front of them that man has tinkered with and messed with and, and uh, put everything in there that suits them. That's not what we're going to be judged by. God, the Bible says that God moved upon holy men of old. If I had time, I'd just stop there and preach a sermon on the holy men that God moved on. My dear friend, you listen to me this morning. If you want to do something for God, you better make sure you've got a life that lines up with the Word of God. And if you haven't, if you go around pretending, now you say, well, what's a pretender? Uh, I don't really like to use the word, but if you're pretending to be something you aren't, then you're a hypocrite. If you go around uh, pretending that you're following the Lord, and then you just follow your own thinking. You follow what somebody else wants you to do. Then, my dear friend, you're going to miss the mark every time. Because you're not basing what you believe upon the Word of God, that He moved those holy men of old to sit down. One of these days we're going to stand before a holy and just God. You know, I've known some people that were slick talkers, haven't you? But I'll tell you what, they're not going to be any slick talkers when they stand before God. In fact, I'll tell you, you won't be saying anything. You say, you don't know about me, preacher. Yes, I do. When you stand before total truth, you stand before total power, you, you stand before an almighty God, and he says, let me tell you what you did. Let me tell you what you didn't do. And now not only let me tell you what you've done and what you didn't do, let me tell you why you didn't do those things and why you did those things. I am thoroughly convinced that motive is more important than action. And I've said that so many times, people I know are sick of it. But Sometimes we get in our minds that we, if our actions line up with the Word of God, everything's all right. But if the reason that we do those things is not because we love the Lord and because we want to follow His commandments, it's not worth anything. So we need to search the Scripture. 
And so let us take a few moments this morning, first of all, to search the Scripture a little bit about the matter of salvation. As we said, that's the primary meaning here of this verse. Over in the book of Romans, in chapter 3, in verse 10, we'll read. The Bible says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. I can look out this morning over this audience and say, you aren't righteous. Now, I'm righteous in the Lord Jesus Christ as far as my position's concerned. But I want you to know the natural man, I don't care how good of life that he lives, he's not considered righteous in the sight of God. Verse 23 says, all of sin and come short of the glory of God. There's not an individual in this audience this morning that hasn't committed sin. And if you've got one unforgiven sin in your life that's not been paid for, you can't get into heaven because there won't be any sin there. You say, well, I got saved and, and uh, I've committed a sin since then and maybe I forgot to confess it. But you see, when you accepted Jesus Christ, he imputed his righteousness under your heart. And uh, you may stand before God one day, not may, you will stand before God one day and give an account for every sin you've committed from the time that you were saved on. But it won't cause you to be lost again. And so all of us need to be saved. Have you ever met somebody that said, well, you know, my mom and dad was in church all their lives. My grandparents on both sides always went to church. They always taught me how to do, and they always taught me the scripture, and uh, they always kept me on the right path. And uh, I guess I'm all right. I want you to know that if you haven't believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're just as lost as the drunk that's laying on the street this morning. All of sin and come short of the glory of God. So we notice also in this book of Romans in chapter 5 and verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death is passed upon all men, for that all of sin. Now listen to me. We understand this morning, if we didn't know from the Bible, we understand by experience that death is coming to all of us. Sometimes it comes to us when we're younger, and sometimes it comes to us when we're older. But death is going to overtake this body. One day, God's going to holler, and I'm going to find that old, this old uh, tent that God's given to me to dwell in, and it's grown weary over the years from the storms that have uh, beat upon it, and and one day God's going to say, fold up your tent. See, tent is just a temporary dwelling. He'll say, do away with that temporary dwelling. And come on home. And I'm going to give you a mansion instead of a tent. But death has passed upon all men. But this scripture is talking about far more than physical death. He's talking about spiritual death. 
the, the condemnation of God is upon every individual that has reached the age of accountability and has refused to accept what Jesus Christ done yonder on Calvary. So there's coming a time when you'll experience spiritual death if you haven't been saved. The book of the Revelation in chapter 20 and in verse 14 we read these words. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. You know, sometimes we make a mistake of saying, well, they're gone to hell forever. But everybody that's in hell this morning, their suffering will never stop. But they'll be brought out for just a second or two to stand before God. And he'll show them their names are not in the book. And they'll go from hell into the lake of fire that burns with brimstone and fire. And there they will spend eternity. Second death. And if you're here without Christ this morning, if the blood has never been applied, then you're under that condemnation. And if you lay down to go to sleep tonight, Brother Roy and I was talking about that back there in the room this morning. I, I'm not no super good individual. I still got this old flesh to contend with. I still fail God. But I'll tell you this much, I can lay down on my bed tonight, put my head upon my pillow, as Brother Ross and Sister Ross sang. If I don't ever raise that head up again, I'll wait on you in glory. Brother Ralph Wimbledon called me. Few people know him. You got to know him to appreciate this. He called me one day after I'd had my first heart attack and said, I'm really mad at you. And I said, Brother, what have I done? He said, You're assigned to beat me to heaven. And I said, Brother Ralph, I'll promise you this. If I beat you there, I'll sit down on the other side of the river and wait on you. But you can't claim that if you haven't trusted Christ. Now all you've got to do is search the scripture and base your conviction on the word of God. What thus saith the Lord. And I'll tell you anything that somebody tells you. You better make sure that it's not only in the Bible, but it's read in the context. You know, with the education people have got now, there's absolutely no excuse for you not to read and see if uh, what you're reading is in the context of what somebody's trying to tell you. In other words, is this talking about salvation or is it talking about service? Is it talking about something that happens before you're saved or something happens after you're saved? And you need, you need to read and make sure that it fits together right with what God is trying to say. What a difference 
between those that are born twice and only have to die once than those that are born once and have to die twice. The second death we read is being cast into the lake of fire and you're ever dying yet never dying. As surely as God's children has eternal life, those that die without Christ has eternal punishment. Those that have been born twice, one day will step off on heaven's shore. And I've thought a lot about this. I don't care how much you've studied on heaven and how much you know about God and all that surrounds that. I believe when you wake up in glory, you're going to say, I never thought it'd be like this. You know, old Paul got to see just a glimpse. He said, can't tell you what I saw. You know you know why I believe he couldn't tell you? I don't believe he could find mortal words to explain what heaven was like. Then those that have only been, only been born once, how my heart grieves. Some of them I've known well and done gone out into eternity. Some of them, when I stand in the Christian judgments, blood will drip from my hands because I failed to warn them. So after salvation, now what? What do I do now? After salvation, you start a life of service. The very first step of service is water baptism. That gives you a public profession. It says to the those that look on, it says to all of those that you'll tell about it in the days and weeks and months to come, that I believe that Jesus Christ died and was buried, and that he rose again. And not only that, it signifies I buried the old man. And I've raised up a new man. And God expects us to honor that profession. And if you don't take the first step, that God has made so plain. God's not going to show you anything else. If you're not willing to follow God on that first step, he's not going to show you a step out there somewhere. Younger people don't understand this, but I've walked with flashlights. And man, if you want to be sure you don't hit a mud hole, you shine that light right down there and you step right where the light is, and when you step, it shows you over there, and you can step over that. But you try to look out there somewhere. Now, I started to say, you look over yonder, and somebody said, there's no such thing. But you, you put your light out there, and you start walking, you're going to wind up in trouble. In other words, you take the step God shows you, and then God will show you the next. We're talking about service now, not salvation. 
And so forget not that God again and again and again says, I've got a plan for your life. Over in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, I'm not going to read that. But from the very foundation of the world, God had a plan for you. And uh, he did it for his own good pleasure. How many of us bring pleasure to God by doing what he's planned for our lives? Or how many of us disappoint him by failing to do what he wants us to do? Sometimes following God's not an easy way. You know, I believe if you went to heaven this morning and you was allowed to go around and interview all those apostles that died a terrible death and you say Peter how'd your life go you wound up being crucified upside down was it worth it and he'd say every bit of it They'd go to old John. I might have talked this old John. They'd go to old John and say, John, you got boiled in oil. And you had to suffer three years before the Lord spoke to you. Was it worth it? And he would say, praise the Lord. It was worth it. And on and on. I don't believe you can find an individual in heaven this morning that doesn't wish they had done more for the Lord. You know, we think about that hardship that sometimes we run into. Brother Nichols knows a little about that. He's pastored. I haven't asked him about this, but I know how I am. I believe he'd probably say the same thing. I look back on those years of pastoring and I think about the hard times. And they're the sweetest times. Those hard times. God's grace is always sufficient. Oh, B.R. Lincoln, my favorite preacher of preachers. He had a son that was following right in his footsteps, doing just exactly the way he had done. He was so pleased and so proud. And one day the telephone rang, and they said, B.R., your son just been killed in an automobile accident in Florida, and we've put his body on a plane. Here's where he's going to land, and you go get him and carry him to the funeral home. And he said, I can't do it. I just can't do it. He went in his living room and sat down. And wives, like wives do sometimes, came and said, B.R., You've been preaching to people for generations that God's grace is sufficient. 
now has time to show them. He said he got up and put his head on, went down to the plane and took his son to the funeral home. God's grace is sufficient. And if you don't believe it, search the scripture. I can tell you that all day. You might not believe it. But I tell you, when God says, my grace is sufficient, you can write that down. It's sufficient. We find in Romans 12, 1, a pretty demanding commandment, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. How many times do we let our bodies overrule our spirits? We'll say, man, I know I need to do this. Oh, my head hurts so bad. I'm not saying you didn't have a headache either. But if God leads you to do something, God leads me to do something, or do it with a headache, or backache, or toeache, or whatever it might be. We are to present our bodies unto the Lord as a sacrifice. I promise you I'm trying to come to the close. Ephesians 5 and 8 talks about us walking as children of light. Why are we to be children of light? Because we are to reflect the Shekinah glory of God that we might guide the way of those that are walking in darkness to the place of victory. God help us that we might understand the privilege that God has given us. The world is full of lost folks. I heard a story one time, whether it's true or not, I don't know, it said Johnny Appleseed was in the Civil War and they gave the uh, command to advance and they all went running toward this ditch over there where the enemy were, were, was. And said then they sounded retreat and he didn't retreat. He just kept running, jumped, up, jumped over in the ditch and hit one of those enemy soldiers over the head and hung him on his back and walked back very slowly toward his company and his men was that was there began to say how'd you know to do that how in the world did you accomplish that he said well that ditch was full you could have had one too if you'd wanted them that's the way with lost folk the world's full and you can win some if you want to if you'll beat us if you will be a child of light, you can lead some who are walking in darkness to a glorious victory in Christ. Let us learn to search the scripture and to base our conviction on the word of God. A conviction is something that you stand for if nobody else does. And if you've got your conviction conviction based on the word of God 
you'll never have to fear of being wrong. God will always bring it out right. The world may tell you, tell you you're wrong. They may refuse to listen at you. But one day you'll stand in the presence of God. They'll know you told them the truth. Ask you to stand if you would, please. Be at our player and song leader come. <clears throat> I want to ask Brother John if he'll come on my left here and Brother Colby in the center. I'm looking for another one, Brother. Brother uh, Rex, will you come over here on my right, please? These men are here for one purpose only, and that's to give you counseling if you need it. The altar's always open if you'd just like to pray. Somebody will join you there and pray with you as we sing, brother. 280. 280. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See on the portal he's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. I'm home this morning. Come home, come home.